Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. It's a bit of an understatement to say that data is booming right now, and chief data officers across government are opening up about the vast need for tech modernization in order to leverage data as a strategic asset and overall federal government priority. Beth Puchek, chief data officer at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, had a big part in shaping the agency's CDO office and its functions. Coming from an architecture and structural engineering background, she has quite a unique approach to IT. Both areas have very similar principles, she says. USCIS manages more than just the process of immigration. There's verifying legal right to work in the U.S., there's adoption, humanitarian programs that concern refugees, for example. It really is a data agency, as Beth says. We discuss how the agency is embarking on its data strategy and how it's going to open up opportunities for interoperability of this data across other agencies at the Department of Homeland Security. Beth, thanks for joining us on GovCast. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's great to be here. So start us off with what you do at USCIS. I know you had such a major role in standing up the CDO office. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, I joined USCIS about two and a half years ago, towards the end of 2018, right when USCIS had hired its first chief data officer, um, Matthew Gravis. So when I got here, it was the first time I had been at USCIS. So it was a lot about learning the mission which was perfect for the stand-up of the office of the chief data officer because data is really all about the mission, how to accelerate the mission through that asset. So when, again, when I first got here, the very first activity that we wanted to do was develop a data strategy. And that data strategy was not envisioned to be the chief data officer's strategy. It was envisioned to be the agency's data strategy. So we embarked upon a very collaborative effort across all of the different organizations at USCIS to really listen in on what the challenges were and seek to articulate some very, very specific goals in our strategy to target those challenge areas. And it wasn't wasn't meant to be a really long and drawn out process. It was meant to go quickly so that we could baseline it and get moving. So we did that in fewer than 90 days. And right after that, established the office of the chief data officer. And we organized our office kind of around that strategy, but continued to promote it throughout the agency because every organization is a contributor. So that continues to be our North Star two years later, and we have really facilitated a great partnership with every organization, be it OIT, our technology partners, and our business partners that are really responsible for performing the mission at USCIS. Wow, that's awesome. And, it, and it's super interesting to hear like how new it is. You know, we nowadays we talk about data and we think it's been around forever, you know, as far as like the CDO role. So it's kind of interesting that it's such a new effort. Were there any challenges that you faced in standing that up? You know, thinking back two years ago, what was some of the things that you were having to think about? It 
was a, you know, USCIS has really always been a data agency. So it's not like, you know, I, I had spent some time at Customs and Border Protection and at TSA, and they do a lot of acquisition around around physical things as opposed to IT and technology, you know, systems technology. So data is everything here. And consequently, it was hard to articulate that role from the beginning. So it took us a few months to really figure out that niche. But but I think, honestly, it went fairly smoothly, aside from ironing out really what, what the role was. You know, a lot of folks didn't quite understand why we were not in the OIT shop, why we were in the office that we were in. So trying to just provide clarity around that role, it was a challenge, but it was very easy to overcome. Awesome. And considering USCIS's mission, it does so much around that it would be obvious that data is such an important part of those things. For example, when I was, you know, brushing up on um, USCIS's focus, E-Verify, I had no idea that was a USCIS thing. (laughs) And, um, you know, adoption, immigration, and everything like that. There's just so much that goes into it that I didn't even think about. Yeah, that's what we say. Like, aside from our people, data is our primary asset. We take in a lot of data from our applicants. We look at that data. We, you know incorporate that with other data to make decisions and those decisions become more data then because we're a fee-funded agency we use that data to inform our administration like really how we operate our whole agency and that's what sets us apart a little bit from some of our appropriated brothers and sister agencies again because we're fee-funded we'll analyze the forecast of receipts for each of the different form types that we receive on an annual basis. So how many of one particular form will we get? And then based on the fee structure for those forms, how much revenue will we generate for the year? How much staff will we need for the year? And then looking at those two things, again, projecting how much fee we need to charge to be able to keep the organization running. So Data is really part of the fabric of USCIS, not just performing the mission, but also to operate the agency. Wow, amazing. So it really has some business functions there. But I I am interested in your background. You know, you have architectural engineering on your resume. (laughs) How did you get from that field to now, you know, federal technology and data? (laughs) Sure, I get that question a lot. It is a unique uh, path. but. In architectural engineering, I like to look at it as really being a systems engineer, but for a particular industry, for the construction industry. So I learned all the ins and outs of a building system. So the structure, mechanical systems, the electrical systems, AV, you name it. And in 2008, when the financial crisis we had back then, you know, people weren't constructing things very much. So I was looking for a change and got a job at CBP, Customs and Border Protection. And it was part of their SBI net program to build border surveillance technology along the border. So I thought I was coming in to help 
with those construction efforts. But it turned out that I, my aperture was open greatly, and I am so fortunate for the opportunity that I was afforded at CBP. Because even though, you know, I may have done a day's worth of structural engineering, I was really open to federal acquisition through defining the requirements for what a system really needs to do for an agency, for the, the customers, being able to do the contracts to be able to get those systems in, then conduct test and evaluation to make sure that those systems are are meeting the requirements that were set and really being able to see the life cycle of federal acquisition. And then I think that that background in particularly architectural engineering, you know, I'm very familiar with building plans and really trying to visualize complex abstract concepts visually and putting them onto paper. I've come to realize is incredibly helpful in this data world. I'm very passionate about visualizing data, about visualizing information, and even our data architecture. I've found that there are lots of different similarities and overlaps in the two worlds. That's a fantastic perspective, especially, you know, you kind of need to know when you're building IT, you kind of need to know what you're building and what better approach to that than someone with a structural engineering background. That's amazing. (laughs) Are there any particular similarities or like principles that you've been able to apply from that structural engineering side to now the technology side? I think it really comes down to, you know, that planning, really articulating out what that end goal is, getting clarity on what you, about what you want, and then building the plan to get there. I would say a little bit of the differences um, in the two worlds are, you know, in construction and in architectural engineering, you really have to have your end goal firmly defined. It's much more rigid. It's not an agile world like IT. So it's much more iterative in the world I'm in now, which is great because you get to see progress so much more quickly than in the construction world where you'd have to wait maybe, you know, years before you're able to even break ground beyond the design and planning phases. So it's taking that, you know, very long-term game and and chunking it up and really getting to see the progress more quickly with these, with agile methodology that's so, so ingrained these days. That's a great point. Yeah. You definitely could see uh, quicker uh, realizations of successes with a technology versus, you know, erecting a building or something like that. (laughs) So you've had several different, or you've been involved in several different areas across DHS over the past 10 years. Have you seen the agency's tech posture change significantly? Absolutely. It's been great to see us shift, really start the shift from really a siloed development methodology to being more centralized so that our connections are a lot more efficient. And we're, it seems like we're just starting to, to make progress in this area. But when I really look back on it, it's been happening for at least the past five years. As we have become more driven by cloud technology and just the sheer amount of data that's out there that we you know, need to do our job, even not just 
me, but of course our adjudicators that are make, making decisions, they have to make their decisions based on a lot more input, based on ever-changing policies. So the amount of data that they need to consume to be able to, to make a decision is so much greater. So we've been able to, you know, my favorite <laughs> favorite thing to do is reuse. So the ability to reuse what's been built and replicate that so that we're not creating so much brand new stuff, but we're really starting to centralize a lot more. Wow. Awesome. And considering USCIS's, you know, you're just one component of DHS, there's other components. Obviously, you came from CBP and then there's ICE. Considering the data strategy and how you even said it's not just the CDO's data strategy, it's an agency strategy. How are you thinking about the other components in some of the data sharing efforts or needs between each one? So I think what's great is that, you know, in my experience, there's no better way to motivate action between agencies than for there to be some sort of urgency. And I think, you know, our current immigration situation creates that sense of urgency for us to be able to get our data in sync. So luckily, we're in pretty great shape policy-wise. We're just really working to modernize our technology, our connections between the agencies. So we're looking to move away from more API-centric system-to-system connections and to start thinking about like a data mesh with these partners. And luckily, we have a very future-looking chief technology officer and a CIO team that are working together beautifully with uh, CBP and ICE to really bring this concept into reality. Wow, that's awesome. What lasting impacts do you hope to have looking into the near term? What I really hope to leave here at USCIS is the spirit of collaboration across the enterprise. The first observation I made when I got here was like, wow, these people are so nice. Every person I meet is the nicest person I've ever met. And it made making those connections so much easier. And, you know, we making those connections across the agency has really allowed us to hear about similar challenges, hear about similar work that's going on, and bring people together. We have a slogan in my office, and it's connecting people, data, and decisions. And a lot of the products that we've developed lately are things that provide an enterprise perspective that have never been built before. You know, there's a couple of different operational organizations and, you know, the traditional administrative organizations and being able to find the commonality in each of our missions and the touch points between them and then bring the data into the forefront so that people can make decisions. You know, the CFO can see see the connection to contracts, can see the connection to security and be able to make informed decisions about budget based on something that they're seeing, the data that they're seeing in another area of the agency. So I really hope that that spirit of collaboration really lives on. That's a great perspective, especially with how much data, you know, has a touch point across everything, as you briefly mentioned. Yeah, it's not our, it's not my data, it's the agency's data. <laughs> exactly. 
So what are some of the emerging technologies that you're excited about? Data has so much, I guess, impact as far as technologies like AI and being able to incorporate more automation into some of those processes. Is there anything that you're you're excited about in the coming future? Yeah, you know, those technologies are really going to be able to get into the hands of everybody, right? It's not just OIT shops that are developing anymore. It's really bringing this concept of citizen developer to the rest of the agency, which is really exciting to me because you don't have to wait anymore for, you know, OIT to either for you to come up on their priority queue or to find the money for them to actually do the work. We're really promoting this concept of citizen development. And there are folks in every corner of this enterprise that are really eager and very capable of developing, you know, things like a dashboard to eliminate a reporting requirement, or like you said, creating a bot that automates a manual process. So we're, we're really fortunate that our OIT is supportive of these concepts. And of course, we've got a great, capable workforce that even if, you know, data analytics or code development isn't their primary job, it's something that they're interested in and capable of doing. So we can let them explore that other area of their skill set to really make their offices even better. And other, I would be remiss if I didn't also offer that a lot of this has been enabled by our cluster computing environment and technologies like Databricks. We used to run queries that you know would take 55 hours just to fail. And with these cluster computing environments like Databricks, it really only takes us five minutes. So that has really revolutionized some of our thinking in terms of analytical future and really operational future as well. Wow. 55 hours. That's insane. And maybe it can even get better, you know, have it go from five minutes to seconds. (laughs) No joke. (laughs) Well, Beth, thanks so much for this conversation. I thought it was a great look at some of the data efforts that's going on and something to obviously monitor and keep up with as your office kind of rounds out and innovates in the future. So I really appreciate the conversation. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks, Amy. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.